Welcome back to the 731 Today podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Taylor. And on this podcast, we'll be talking to the people and telling the stories of the 731. Today, super excited, Hunter Jordan from Hunter Jordan Music has joined the studio to chat about his career, also a little bit about him, maybe some things you don't know, because if you just see his music, you may not know his stories. That's what this podcast is about. So Hunter, appreciate you uh, taking the time to jump on with us, man. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Let's start uh, Let's start first for the people that may not know. Um, tell us a little bit about you, where you grew up, um, and, and we'll get into the music side here in a little bit, but just tell us about where you grew up and I guess uh, some of your hobbies as a kid as well. So, yeah, I grew up in West Tennessee, obviously, over in a small town called Mercer, Tennessee. Not everybody tends to know where that is because it's one of those map dot towns. I think the other day somebody even asked, so I looked up on the census, the most recent one. Not that those are 100% accurate, but it was like 150 was like the population. So kind of explains why most don't know. It's kind of Denmark area, too, and not too far from Jackson, so... That's where I went to high school at Southside and uh, played baseball out at Melissa's Park growing up as a kid. And those were some of my hobbies, uh, a lot of sports and hunting and all yeah. that stuff. So, Yeah, well, cool. Uh, so you, you grew up in Mercer, a small town, obviously. I would say that uh, your friend group was probably pretty small, pretty tight. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, usually ends up being a lot of cousins, you know, and family, <laughs> and then um, – like I said about the sports thing, I mean, there's no telling how many hours I put in shooting and burning up nets at home just shooting basketball by myself because a lot of my friends that were in school that lived in Jackson, you either weren't old enough to drive yet and your pa- you know, your parents are like, I don't want to drive 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, an hour round trip, you know, today to drop you off, you know, at your friend's house. Um, so, yeah, a lot of uh, small community and small hangs with just people that lived around there and just who was in walking distance or riding your bike distance. Yeah. So at, when you were young, um, you know, we all have this – This we, when we were kids, we all say, hey, I want to be this when I grow up. So let's just say 10-year-old Hunter. What was the thing that you thought you'd be doing? Oh, I, I know when I was a kid, I, uh, and still am a huge Atlanta Braves fan, and uh, – I even think I saw this written on some school paper where they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up when I was young? And I was like, I want to be a second baseman for the Atlanta Braves. You know, Chipper Jones was my favorite player. I had the posters all on my wall growing up, baseball cards. And I think that's what I thought I was going to do when I was a kid. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make it to the league. Yeah, <laughs> that's what everybody yeah. has that, man. I mean, right. I was, I was going to be a professional football player. So, yeah. and now we're sitting there recording a podcast. So obviously that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's move into to high school. You went to Southside High School. Uh, again, I'm, you know, I've known you a long time, so I was able to to follow that journey for you and being involved in several different things and there at Southside. Was it around that time um, that you started getting involved musically, or was it a little bit later than that? It was actually later. I was a weird late bloomer. Like I, I grew up and in church and in different settings. My family enjoyed singing, and I always had a passion for it, but definitely – didn't have the nerve or the guts to really do it in front of people. Like when I was in middle school at West middle school, I briefly was in like chorus, but I was not a solo. I was like sing solo. Nobody Mm -hmm. can hear me type solo. So, uh, (laughs) I didn't dabble with music until later, man. It was always just sports and hanging out with friends and, you know, those type hobbies going to the Tennessee river and, and different things. Um, it actually wasn't until college that I started dabbling with music and uh, 
basically I just had a fraternity brother. I was in Kappa Alpha Order at UT Martin. A lot of people in West Tennessee are familiar mm-hmm. with UT Martin. And uh, it was kind of being around him and him showing me music stuff. And I was like, man, he's bringing out my passion here. And I'm like, I'm going to show this guy, like, I had, like, voice recordings on my phone of me just singing a cappella that I wouldn't have dared show anybody. That was and, like a hidden gem right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. Looking back now, it probably wouldn't be a gem, you know, because I like to think I've gotten better since the beginning days. But, um, but yeah, definitely, man. He, he got me into music, and I started kind of coming out of my shell, and it just took a spring break trip having all the guys and girls we went to school with down at Panama City and that – that camaraderie and everybody's like in a good mood because we're on you know mm-hmm. vacation spring break first one I'd ever been on with with my college friends and um I kind of just came out of my shell and he played guitar and I sang some and then before I knew it it just progressed more and more of playing at the frat parties in the bedrooms <laughs> and on the staircase and stuff like that so it was it was crazy kind of how it started so that was later in your time at UT Martin right yeah that well that was actually not too far into it so let's see i started there fall of 2012 and it was spring of 13 when i first went on that trip um now what's crazy is you talk about getting thrown to the wolves when i came back from that trip my fraternity brothers were like man you know we do this annual um philanthropy concert and we always have an artist come play you should open and I remember thinking, you know, A, I'm not ready. B, I, I knew nothing about music. So I, I didn't even know acoustic openers for a big show or a thing. You know, I, I remember vividly telling them, it's going to be boring. You don't want us to do this. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to have a band, and all I have is him playing a guitar and me <laughs> singing. And literally, fraternity brothers just start coming forward and going, well, I played drums back in middle school, and hey, I can play guitar or whatever. So we pieced together this band, and I played my first show literally about a month after even discovering I enjoyed trying to <laughs> sing, and I opened for Dylan Scott. That was the first show ever of my life, and it was like 500 people there. So it was they threw either, you to the wolves. It was either yeah. get in or get, get out, out, you know. <laughs> yeah. So luckily for me, I loved it. I mean, I kind of – you know, got that adrenaline rush like a sports like event a or yeah. something. And I was like, man, this is cool. I didn't know you could feel this doing this. You know, so that that was really the defining moment for me. That first show, I'm sure, is special to everybody. But especially for me, just the way in which it, it kind of progressed of getting to that point. It was so fast and everything. Like, I don't know. I jumped in head first, but it worked out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, since in, in high school you didn't know uh, that that was going to happen, and even when you started college, you did, obviously didn't go to college to be in music. Right. So let's backtrack to that. What was the what were you going to do eventually? I mean, originally. So I was when I first started college at actually at Jackson State. So I, I did that locally here as well, and. Man, you know, life happens. I started off hot and went in with credits from high school and even took summer classes before the first fall semester. I was ahead of the game. And then personal life things and pitfalls and speed bumps, my college career just kind of was going up and down. Like I started hot then kind of slacked off. Then I'm like, you know, fresh start, go to Martin. I changed my major like multiple times (laughs) within the first year because honestly I was just kind of lost. I didn't really know. 
and then you're stressing even more because you're like, okay, in high school, it's acceptable to, you know, what do you want to do for a living? You know, mm-hmm. what do you want to do for your big boy job or whatever? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, oh, you got time. Yeah. Well, you get a couple of years into school and you're like, I don't have as much time. I got to figure something out. I'm banking up some student yeah. loan debt already. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so what am I going to do here? So I finally locked in. On uh, health and human performance as my major with an emphasis in exercise science, which helped tie in my love for sports. And and I was always into science, more like biology and anatomy, not as big on chemistry and stuff like that. But um, I just went that path and I got my bachelor's and I had had work experience doing all kind of things unrelated to that. But more specifically there, I worked at the hospital there uh, in the gym and got to work in cardiac rehab and Mm -hmm. got to work with clients in the gym, a little bit of training stuff. So just, you know, a lot of health related things. And when I first graduated, same thing, I I worked at West Tennessee healthcare for work plus rehab. And then from there I transitioned over to West Tennessee bone and joint. So, so you were making a career sort of, and then you decided to to punt and go a different direction. And when that happened, I worked with a great staff at West Tennessee Bone and Joint. I have to shout them out because they're, you know, that that was like a tight-knit little family, and they treated me great and always supported my music, even though at first it was, you know, an on-the-side mm-hmm. type thing. And, uh, man, I'll never forget when I walked in Tom's office that day, I had been contemplating for a while, like, should I pursue music full-time because I was starting to have to turn down gig opportunities during the week you know or like oh need to leave on a thursday and like go travel over the weekend because it's like is music a real job is this just mm-hmm. something i love you i've know? been there with, with calling games <laughs> yeah yeah it's like is this a real job there's yeah. a lot of pressure and then you know i'm like you've already got this degree and i was actually applying for the ota program at jackson state at the time and whenever i didn't get in even though i you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'll just keep trying different places. For whatever reason, that's when the gig opportunities and opportunities to go to Nashville and write. Some friends were like, come write with us, you know, whatever. I started having to turn those down, and it bothered me. And I was like, you know what? Is this God opening a door trying to show me I've got a different path for you, even though it's kind of scary. You need to have a little faith. And when I walked in Tom's office that day, um, and told him, I was like, man, I, I hate to do this to you because y'all have been great to me here. I said, but I just feel like I, I'm being called to to go pursue this music thing for real and give it my real 100% try where I don't have any regrets. And he was like, man, he said, for me, I hate to see you go. He said, but it was never a question for me. If we were going to have this conversation, it was when because I believe in you. And that meant a lot, man, that, that that group there at Bone and Joint believed in me. And, and, you know, it just, a lot of things happened in my life that were dominoes that I felt led to that point. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, from there, I haven't looked back. I've now been full time with music since about midway through 2018. That's 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 awesome, man. That's awesome. Visiting with Hunter Jordan from Hunter Jordan Music here on the Seven Three One Today podcast. We'll continue with our conversation, uh, Hunter. Let's uh, let's go back a little bit here and talk about um, you know who helped you get to where you are. Um, biggest mentors, influences in your life. I know you're a big sports fan, big family guy, and then obviously with the music. I know the music. Some of your college buddies helped you get going there. But who who are your big mentors and influences to help you get to where you are? 
I would say just life in general influences for sure. Like my mom has always been a very strong person and and she's known by some people in the community my mom is kippy jordan that's always worked in the school system some know that some don't it's it's funny you find out over time (laughs) oh i didn't know that was your mom you know and then um i've had numerous family members that grew up around jackson and and worked in the school system specifically so my mom for sure would be a main one for me and then my grandpa my grandpa was hicks foot who was Mm -hmm. also in the school system principal coach all coach the different little ball too didn't he yeah <laughs> a coach um so my mom and my my grandpa definitely and, and my grandmother too um just always being those people that believed in me and you know said don't you know don't give up don't don't quit on this um and then you fast forward a little bit and i start dabbling in music obviously like i said my my buddy landon prather was a a big influence on getting me started. Another guy that I met locally here when I worked at Lowe's in South Jackson named Andrikus Boyle. We actually were just talking again the other day and catching up with one another. And he was, I think he's from around Bolivar. I hope I'm not saying that wrong, Andrikus, but I think that's where he was <laughs> from. Um, but I know he's a West Tennessee guy. And he actually, when I got back from college, encouraged me like, man, I've seen some of your singing videos you have you ever written a song and I, I started teasing a song and it was called bed in my truck that a lot of people mess mm-hmm. with me about you know like play bed in my truck you know because it's like the it was <laughs> the, the first very one. first one um and he was a big encourager for me that was like man don't stop now that you're back from college and don't have a band get you a new band you know do this so got a band with guys from around south jackson we started we were back road therapy and then you meet different guys around the community like Josh Smith that was a guy I looked up to that I saw play open mics and shows at the Tap mm-hmm. and Red Bones. Um, Skylar Anderson was a guy I looked up to, and we grew a relationship later, and now we've written together, played shows together. But he was a guy that always played around here that I looked up to. Um, and then you've got your even beyond those guys that I don't have – you know, I have relationships with some of them – You've got guys like Jonathan Singleton, Ash Bowers, uh, Josh Miller that all became artists, songwriter, producer successes that were from here. So whether I have direct relationships with all them or not, and I've I've talked to most of those guys mm-hmm. on a certain level at certain points in my life, um, in music specifically, those last guys I just named. Oh, and Brandon Lay, too. Can't yeah. forget about Brandon Lay. It's like all those guys from West Tennessee, kind of Jackson area, it's it's cool when you see somebody from your town when you're the i guess like we were saying when you're the kid and you're like man i want to make it as i want to make it to the nfl i want to make it as an artist i want to be a whatever mm-hmm. when you see somebody in that same field from your area make it it makes it more real i feel like like hey i can do this i can do it if they can do it right you know so those were a lot of my influences throughout life so your mom and your grandparents when you decided when you walked in uh your employer's office and said hey i'm going to do this thing full time i'm sure you'd already had conversations with them were they the were they the biggest supporters in that transition yeah i so first and foremost i was praying a lot about it because i tend to sometimes uh be stubborn and think that (laughs) you know i've got the experience or the know-how or the whatever to I'm making the right call here. So I, I prayed a lot about it and went to guidance or went to God for guidance a lot first. And then when I really felt like it was 
time to really consider this before, like you said, before I go to my boss, I go to the family first. And we were right. having like a family game night at my mom's house. And it was grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. And we were all sitting at the table, and I told them I felt like I was being called to do music. And I just remember telling them, I said, now look, I said, I need a couple of things from y'all. I said, I need y'all to support me and help me because I know I'm going to go through some trials and yeah. tribulations and ups and downs. I said, and I also need y'all, if this ever gets to a point where I'm fighting too hard against this and it's something that we I probably do need to just remain as a hobby on the side, you know, or if this plateaus, if this starts regressing and it's not growing, I need y'all to be able to look me in the eye and be like, hey, man, like, Maybe it's time to work, you know, get back in your degree or whatever and still just do music on the side. And and they all supported it and, and have continued to support it from then. And luckily uh, for all of us, they haven't had to have that discussion conversation yeah. with me because I've been very blessed. And in some way, shape, or form, it gets better every year, Yeah, whether that's playing a new city or state or whether it's putting out new music or you know, whatever it is, it's gotten better. So. Man, there's so many different ways we could go this conversation. We could be here all day. But I want to get into the nitty-gritty of the job itself. Um, first, let's start with the brotherhood. It's kind of like a sporting team, I would assume. Obviously, I haven't been in your position. But you've got a lot of guys that are in a circle that do the same things, that are supporting each other and, you know, really getting after it. But then you may have a few guys that may be jealous and, you know, want to kick you down and step on you or whatever. What's it like in the music world um, as far as artists, like, are you guys, do you stay pretty close to a lot of guys? Do y'all, you know, go on gigs together? What What's that kind of like? Yeah, um, so with anything in life, you know, I really feel like you can achieve a lot when you get a group of like-minded individuals together that have a common goal, you know. So when you've got that group that gels and everybody gets along and everybody's got eye on the prize and it's the same one, like, I feel like a lot of my music experiences have been really awesome and I've been fortunate to meet a lot of really cool people. And, and on the flip side of that coin, I mean, yeah. I have experienced some tough situations where maybe you work with somebody that you think you're going to work with forever, you know, or, you know, you think we'll we'll keep doing these shows or maybe it's somebody you write with or a producer or whatever it is. You think y'all's missions are the same. Yeah, yeah. and and sometimes your your viewpoints don't always line up on things and you mm -hmm. have to respectfully, you know, kind of go your separate ways and wish the best for each other. And then even a little bit darker sometimes, unfortunately, you have to realize that, you know, you can't be naive. There are some people that are out to get you, so to speak, in certain ways, you know, whether, I mean, I've even heard stories from old heads, you know, you try to learn from, and I mean, they tell you to be cautious when you sign these contracts, mm -hmm. when you work with certain people because sometimes they do have your best interest at heart or it's a synergistic like hey we're both going to win here and sometimes there may be an ulterior motive and you know you really do have to watch out for that but for me fortunately I've been able to you know learn from those negative experiences mm -hmm. I feel like and grow and move past those and and you know lesson learned you know, you know what to do and not do now in that situation. But more often than those negative situations, I do feel like I've been put in a lot of positive ones, and I've been very blessed in that way with great relationships and situations mm -hmm. and, and stuff. So. so you've been 
you've had a band, a full band. And I know you still are out on your own, but you still have a band, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you've you've been under the band title of Back Road Therapy. You've been Hunter. I know you've done duo with Hunter and Jordan. Mm-hmm. Hunter Jordan on your own. There's so many different legs to the music industry. Talk a little bit about that and how you know where you fit. Yeah, so there there are so many. I mean, I guess especially if you looked at like an award show, for example, <laughs> and you've got all your categories. You've got new artists. You've got entertainers of the year where it's, you know, somebody mm-hmm. that's been established, obviously, for a while. You've got somebody that maybe they're hot right now and they're single of the year because they're, they're the they hot the one thing song, right yeah. now. Maybe despite the award show, maybe you've even got somebody that's super hot on social media and they're an independent artist that's just blazing it right now. And then you've got your duos, you've got your your groups, your bands, trios. I mean, male, female, there's so many mm-hmm. where there's so many areas where you can fit in and try to find your niche. And for me, it's taken me trying all the different I guess avenues, you know, some people get lucky and they start with a band or duo or trio or solo or just as a writer, maybe mm-hmm. not an artist, and they know this is what I want to do and they roll with that. For me, like sometimes I'm bad about it. I'm a little hard headed and have to kind of try to mess things. up before I really <laughs> know, you know. So for me, I've tried all the different things and I think I have been shown just through the numerous different situations I found myself in or opportunities that come and go or whatever, I can, you know, confidently say now that I do know that as far as where I fit in, I want to be a solo artist, obviously with a band that we tour around, you know, and play. But just under my name, and I I feel like I know better how to brand myself than I would anybody else, Mm -hmm. you know. So I'm excited to be back solo and just really – run in that direction full speed and now feel confident that I know there's no wavering mm-hmm. where, oh, maybe I'll try this other thing. Like, this is it for me. You know, yeah. this is the path I'm going to take. Well, let's go in, before we start talking about, you know, making music and producing songs and that process, let's go into how important the band is. So you're the leading vocalist, obviously. You're the leading guy in your band. Um, what's the process of finding the drummer and the guitar player? Like, how does that go, and you know what are you looking for? I guess to help with what you're the songs you're putting out. Yeah. So one thing that that has been kind of good as we're going into this conversation is because I've just recently re rebranded back to solo. I was in a situation I haven't been in in a long time, which was find a new band. So I've I've now got fresh eyes with experience to back it up now mm-hmm. on. Because you know what you're looking for. Right, and it's like, how do you navigate it again? Because, you know, I was going through a situation where I played with a group for a couple years, and it's the same guys, you you know the set. I mean, you even know during certain songs, or without it being scripted, you almost can feel where they are on stage in moments and know where they're going to be, and there's just a chemistry there. Mm -hmm. So as far as the process now... I mean, it it is like any other job, man. It has its ups and downs and unexpected speed bumps. Like, prime example, literally last weekend I played Slide and Ride Rodeo here in Jackson, and the drummer that I've been using pretty consistently, he kind of goofed and was like, dude, I'm so sorry, like I accidentally double booked. Because to give a little insight to the people listening out there, you know, we're all trying to make it. And the way I'm trying to make it as a solo artist is I'm writing, putting out songs, trying to grow my social media, trying to book these shows. 
Well, for a musician, that if you're just a player, you're an instrumentalist, you know, you, to pay your bills, to grow your brand, you might not be able to lock in with one guy, you know, exclusively at mm -hmm. first. And that's what a lot of my guys, I mean, they're trying to grind and pay mm -hmm. the bills too. So when they're not playing with me, maybe on the weekends, they're playing with somebody, they're else. Playing with somebody else Monday night on Broadway. So there's no contract with your band, Right, I guess. right. Yeah. At the point I'm at right now, no. Now, yeah. you'll see that with bands when you make it to a higher level, when I can give them consistent work, mm -hmm. full-time, whatever. Some of them are salaried like another job, okay. you know, you 1099, you know, yeah. whatever. But currently where I'm at, it's that I try to keep the same group of guys, and we pretty consistently have been playing together. But stuff happens. Somebody gets sick. You've got a wedding. you got to go yeah. to – you know, you accidentally double Life. book. You know, <laughs> Now, in that instance, the way that we handle that is, fortunately, I have enough of a network of musicians and friends now that, you know, it's usually as simple as you text a handful of guys that's filled in for you before, and one of them usually can do it. Sometimes, if not, you know, you just ask around your network. Like, ask, you know, Vinny, my guitar player, hey, man, you know any drummers? I'm having trouble. Like, the guys I'm trying to hit up, they're, they're booked it. up or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's the brotherhood of leaning on each other, you know. So, like, it never ceases to amaze me, though. I've recently really even been trying to push a little bit more and learn a little more guitar because I'm very beginner basic level. But, um, it never ceases to amaze me, these guys that have been doing it forever, how they can fall right in, and it's like you never miss a beat. And I had a guy at Sliding Ride this past weekend, literally, dude, that drummer was awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, I've I've never seen him play with y'all. And I said, well, it's funny. I met him in the parking lot when he got here tonight. <laughs> and he that's his first that's... time playing with us. But it's just something about You music. trust the people that are recommending those people. Right. Like, yeah. my, my normal drummer recommended this guy. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah. We never practiced. <laughs> we never even met. We met in the parking lot that night. And it was even funny, too. He texted me, hey, man, do you want to send me a set list? And I said, well, we mainly play your standard Nashville Broadway type stuff. He said, oh, well, I ain't worried about it then. So that was the only language we had to speak. And he goes, all right. He shows up. I call out the song. The band just goes, okay, and we play it. <laughs> You know, that's nice. Now, that don't mean we play it perfectly, <laughs> but we're good enough to get by. Maybe you wouldn't notice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Visiting with Hunter Jordan here on the 731 Today podcast. Hunter Jordan of Hunter Jordan Music, who's got uh, some new music coming out here uh, shortly on the day that we're recording this. If you're hearing, if you're listening to this later, um, this, this song's probably already came out. Now, we're not going to talk about the song just yet. I want to get into something uh, different here. We're obviously recording this at Forever Communications, which is a radio station, and we have Froggy 104 here in-house, which is the home of country music here in West Tennessee. Hunter, okay, so if I go into the Froggy studio and I listen to country music, I hear a little bit of everything. So I want to ask you this question, uh, just out of curiosity, because obviously I don't have a, a, a big music background. How do you know what kind of songs to release? Because I can go play, I can pull up one artist back there in our catalog of songs we got, and he may have five or six different kinds of songs. How do you know what kind of song to release and when to release it? Okay, so I'll start off with the logical part of this answer that you would just think makes perfect sense, which is, hey, love song that I really like. It's January. Let's put that out and push this thing hard going into Valentine's Day, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I've got a song that talks about mama. What about putting that out before Mother's Day? Hey, I got this feel-good party anthem, summer boat ride, whatever song. 
summer. So in your mind, that makes sense. Mm. It's just that easy, right? You know, it's you put it out then, and then but they, everybody else may be doing that too, though. right? Yeah. And then you also you you get that in your head of you start thinking logically, like like I just explained, and you go, well, what's hot right now? Oh, well, like we're seeing this traditional sound come back. Do I have any traditional sounding country stuff that's mixed with my vibe, modern, more modern vibe? Do I have, oh, this kind of alternate rock country mm-hmm. stuff's kind of cool right now. Maybe I should put one of those out. So I think you sit in the lab all day and you crunch everything that makes sense in your mind of, hey, all these factors are why this song, let's see, this song is going with what's hot right now. This mm-hmm. song's going with the time of year. This song goes with all these things. And you do all that, and then sometimes you still throw all that out the window and you go, man, I got this song. I don't really care what time of year it is. It just is hitting me different, and it feels cool. It feels different. It's resonating with what I'm going through in my life right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going through a breakup, or I'm about to get married, or... You know, I got a baby on the way or whatever it mm. is. Sometimes you want it relevant to what you're going through right then. Because that makes the words easier, I would Right. Say. It, yeah. it makes you connect even harder with the song. Now, if I wrote one something I went through a year ago, I'll still always connect with that song with an emotion and be able to portray that. But there's something about when you're going through it right then that hits harder. So I think you literally, you make an educated guess logically, and then you also have to factor in that, last like what does my gut and my heart tell me too and it's trying to find a way to combine those yeah. into what seems to make the most sense of yeah. when to put it out and what and then sometimes it's a smash <laughs> yeah. and then sometimes you, nothing happens yeah. and you're like what I did everything right, <laughs> right. I thought you know, that's so. got to be a tough line to walk and figure out uh, people listening may not know this I mean obviously you're a singer and you sing songs, but you also write a little bit. So let's go into that a little bit. So when you're writing music, I guess it's kind of a two-part question. You're from Jackson or Mercer, but Jackson pretty much, two hours from Nashville. When you go to Nashville, you're you're just another musician at that point. How do you get in with the right people and maybe get in some of those rooms with people that you can write music with? It's crazy, man. It's It's sometimes right place, right time. Um, sometimes, you know, it's like the good old boy system or whatever, mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I know so-and-so, like, like to use an example, like the way I started writing some, um, a year or two back at 58 Music over there, I referenced Jonathan Singleton earlier, literally the domino effect that led to that is I had seen him play at shows and stuff, but I never really tried to talk to him, didn't want to be that guy, you know, whatever, and looked up to him and respected him and literally... A guy named Chris King that was a KA at Martin. I met at homecoming one mm-hmm. year at UT Martin. We just got each other's number, you know, because he was an accountant that was dabbling in, uh, you know, working with some big acts mm-hmm. like Taylor Swift, Pearl Jam. I think Pearl Jam was his first client. Mac Miller. Mac Miller actually is who led to him wanting to open his own firm. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, his firm is doing – all the accounting for 50 egg and because chris and i had stayed in touch and i posted some new song he's like man i'd love to show your stuff to jonathan of course i'm like yeah that'd be awesome you need anything yeah you're just looking for a break and literally in that specific instance it just all fell into place man it was 
sent Chris some stuff. He sent it to Jonathan. Jonathan called me that afternoon. Well, I didn't recognize the number. So I'll be honest, I didn't answer. It was just a national number I didn't know. I was like, well, they'll leave me a voicemail if it's important. Well, then I get a text from Chris King. You may want to answer a call today. Jonathan's supposed to call. Well, then I'm freaking out. Crap, it was him. He had left me a voicemail. I listen. Hey, man, give me a call. Instantly calling back. That leads to going over there and meeting the 58 team. Awesome group over there, man. They, they were great to me. Let me come over there and get opportunities to write. Same kind of situation. Ash Bowers, a local guy, had followed me on social media, and we contacted each other just randomly here and there. And so I was, it's all about networking. Yeah, I was much. posting some yeah. songs, and he started hitting me up too. Mm-hmm. Hey, come write it wide open. So it's all that that just kind of falls into place. And then the other thing that I would give advice to a singer-songwriter mm-hmm. that maybe you don't get lucky like that. The only other advice I could give you that, that I think really I think really matters, and this was in a Bible verse I just had that just reaffirmed it for me, and you take every opportunity because – You'd be shocked at how many times I've went to Mallard Estates duck hunting out here in Brownsville, Tennessee, and I met a songwriter that I ended up later writing with. Mm -hmm. The times I've played at a Red Bones here in Jackson and had the bartender come up to me and be like, hey, this guy was in here watching you from Sony Records, but he Mm -hmm. didn't want you to know he was in here. He told me to tell you after he was gone. Those are things that have happened right here in West Tennessee for me in places, you go to that local gig, you don't think, you know, oh, I'm just going through the you motions. Gotta, you I'm still to show up, man. Right. Yeah. And every opportunity you pass on, you don't know what you'd have missed out on. And my dad used to reference this when we were hunting. And, you know, when you become a teenager and then, you know, I'm in high school and you start kind of chasing girls a little more, you're staying out too late and you don't wake up to go hunting. <laughs> I always remember him saying – son like you know there's this big big buck we're chasing or whatever the, you know that's fine if you want to sleep in because you laid out all night but the morning you don't go is the morning he'll be there yeah and i'm sure there's mornings i wasn't <laughs> there and he was so to you know kind of relate that to this music thing yeah is if you would approach every show every song right every Everything you do in life in general for the ones that don't do music, mm-hmm. the opportunity you pass on, what if that's the day that that person's there? What if that's the day your boss, you were going to show out and they were going to promote you? Mm-hmm. What if that's the day that you meet this new person, you start a relationship? You just don't ever know. So it's like put yourself out there because you're going to miss every shot you don't take. So if you keep launching them yeah. from half court, one will eventually <laughs> go in. Yeah. It changes everything. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, music, you're under the music umbrella. You've got the singer, you've got, you know, you're the singer, you're the songwriter. Talk about that balance. How do you know, okay, today, or let's talk about a schedule, I guess is what I'm getting at. How do you know, okay, today I need to be writing, today I need to be working on this song. How do you know how that, and how do you know you're doing the right thing, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, and that's... The balance of it. It's crazy because balance with that is a 20-24 goal of mine specifically, and I don't know that I'm the best to give advice on this because I still feel like I've not fully figured out the balance of singer and songwriter. And now even that third piece that you've almost got to be an influencer. You know, these labels. you got to run your social pages. Yeah, yeah, these labels and stuff, when they look at you, they it's not like it was back in the day where if you could scrounge up the money, write a fire song, and somehow get go play it at the radio, and they liked you enough and you want them over, they'd play it. You know, now... You have to show a lot of value 
they're going to take an educated chance on you now. Mm-hmm. It's not like back in the day where it's just like, man, hope this works out. Here now they have data to back that up. So for me lately, what I've been implementing that's helped me is although music is art and it's a creative thing that's free-flowing and a lot of people are like, you know, there's moments where it is nice and I kind of don't schedule certain things out and it's like just fly by the seat of your pants and that does help you to really be productive. Mm-hmm. I have figured out that I've had to find a way to organize it and make it more logical thinking. So for me, what I've been implementing lately that has helped is whether it's work in the studio, whether it's songwriting, whether it's gigs, I've recently, to find my balance, tried to dedicate certain days of the week to certain things. So, like, Monday through Wednesday are my writing days where I'm willing, if anybody's schedules are open that, you know, we want to write, I'm willing to write between those days. Mm-hmm. And then in the evenings, I work, you know, in my studio and do studio projects for people, you know, trying to make that extra side cash where you can pay mm-hmm. the rent, you know. And then I usually try to dedicate my Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, you know, primarily to gigging because that's when you usually are going to get the most opportunities there. And then also one thing I've had to get better about is trying to prioritize rest days. because And personal days for, like, family and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah because I've missed a lot of buddies' weddings. I've missed birthday parties. I've missed graduations I've, I've missed a lot of things that at times i'm like man i regret it a little bit i'm like man should i have been there for that but you know it is hard to find that balance of you know when does my personal life or things i want to do or hobbies you know or whatever when, you still have other things you may want to do outside of music right yeah. you know um there's times i like to go just chill at the house and grill out with my buddies and watch football mm-hmm. and not play all weekend is what <laughs> i want to do i've watched many football games on stage <laughs> I've seen you at, do that, at yeah. bars and people may not I'm telling on myself but <laughs> if you ever find me at a bar playing Staring and the right the game ceiling. zone <laughs> then if I'm looking over your head I'm probably watching football honestly <laughs> that's good yeah. stuff that's good stuff on the on the gigging side we're almost done here today but on the gigging side um, when you're scheduling these gigs I mean I know you've got your, your regulars that, that book you because they know but let's just, and we just had this conversation recently. Um, say nobody knows what you can bring to the table. How hard is that trying to get in places? I think it's hard because you have to approach it like a sales job almost. You know, it's like you you're trying to walk that line of how do I pitch myself and really blow them away, and they'd be like, "Man, I've got to book this guy." But how do you not overpromise if they're a place that goes, "Hey." You bring a great show, whatever. I've seen your live videos. How many people are you about to put in this building? And, then and you, I don't like to be that guy. You don't want to overpromise. Yeah. You know, if I know I've got a following in your area and I can confidently tell you a number, because you really want me to tell you a number, I will. If I cannot confidently tell you a number, then I'm like, look, I don't want to promise you how many people I can bring, but I can promise you that I will hold them in there and they're going to stay. And that crowd is going to build and build and build over the night. Now, then you run into the dilemma too though when you get to the negotiation phase of pricing i've got a price i have to have to even break even Mm -hmm. and this is before i would make a dollar you know you're talking right now i don't own a band rig right so until i get to that point i'm renting a van sometimes i'm having to hire a sound engineer 
I'm paying my band. Sometimes I have to bring out somebody to do like tour management and like run the merch table or, or do content. Yeah. yeah. So I may be out fifteen hundred dollars depending on the gig before, and that gets me to zero just getting paid fifteen hundred just to throw a number out there. <laughs> yeah. And you know you negotiate. People don't understand that part. You negotiate <laughs> with a place and you don't want to scare them away, and they think. Oh, he thinks he's above it all. Like he needs this money, you know, or oh, I that's not in my budget or whatever. And it's like, how do I throw them an amount? Like, where do I even start with certain gigs to where it doesn't scare them away? Because I've sent emails with price quotes and, and that responds. I think are fair, yeah. you know. And sometimes they don't even respond. And I'm like, I feel bad morally, like on the personal side, because I'm like, man, they're gonna think I'm a jerk and I'm money hungry. But I I want them to know it's like, look, it's because I'm going to bring you this great, awesome show, mm -hmm. and it takes this much to for me to do it at this high level. Mm -hmm. You know, so for me, it's that constant balance of, like, how do I sell myself but not oversell? How do I charge you a rate but not you feel like you're overcharged mm -hmm. but not shoot myself in the foot to where I go negative on this? It's It really is kind of scary yeah. Sometimes, you know, trying to figure it all out. Before we get into the uh, single you dropped here in early 2024, uh, let's let's go into a fun question here. Any superstitions before shows? Is there something you got to have? Is there is there something you do before every show? How do you get yourself ready for a show? Um, I guess I'm not one of those that has like really big superstitions when it comes to music. Um, I mean, for me. I try to make sure that I'm drinking a lot of water and staying hydrated. Uh, I, now, I tell them no ice because whether it works or not, a buddy of mine told me that cools your vocal cords down. And once you've warmed them up, you don't want them cooled back down because that's going to affect your performance. So I believe that that's true. So I guess that's that kind would make of, sense. I guess yeah. that's kind of one superstition I do. I think also, uh, maybe I don't always do this at every show, but especially if I'm opening up for a bigger artist, let's say where it's do or die, like very important to make an impression on a mm -hmm. much larger crowd. I'm a big believer in the, you know, look good, play good. So like sometimes I'll go buy new clothes or I'll wear some of my favorite things because it's weird, but I sometimes, I guess if you feel like you look fly feel out better. there, yeah. you know, then you feel like you're ripping, you know, and you're playing better. <laughs> So for me, prep is stuff like that. Um, I don't always do it, but if I do vocal warm-ups, that's smart. I'm not very smart, and I don't always do that. Um, <laughs> I have to say my manager. Water is your friend, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the biggest things is water and good sleep. Yeah. That'll trump anything else, Yeah, anything else you could do. Well, you put a lot of thought into this, this next uh, project we're fixing to talk about. New single that dropped here in early 2024, um, Dark. Is the, is the name of the song for the people listening? Just tell us a little bit about what into that what went into that project, and uh, you know what you what you think about the song overall. Obviously, I know you think it's a smash for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So the way Dark started to kind of reference a little bit of what we talked about earlier, in one of those rights that Fifty Egg Music lined up for me, I wrote with one of their signed artists, Rob Pennington, and another uh, writer named uh, Michael Wilkes. So we went into that right, and if I'm remembering right, it was Rob's idea. So he had the idea, and then and it was really just kind of a, a hook. We didn't have a whole lot of really like thought-out lines to go with it going into it. 
But one thing that I really enjoyed doing in my writing process that that was present in this one, some of my favorite writes, is we went in and Michael is like a track guy too. So for those that don't know that terminology, he's a producer as well. Mm -hmm. So he went in and had what we would call the demo format of a song where it's done up but not fully done up. Kind of halfway, just the bare bones of what you need. And he had a couple reference, you know, a couple different tracks and said, do y'all like either of these? Well, I heard the one track. I liked it. I thought it went. The feeling I got with that went with what we were going for, mm-hmm. I thought, and what we had been discussing. So we start writing, and we got it mostly done, came back and had a separate session and finished it. And then I laid like a demo vocal, a scratch vocal, rough vocal, however you want to you know, word that on the song, thought it was really cool. Well, that song actually ended up in the pitch deck, which is just terminology once again for, there's a guy that, Joey, that works at 50 Egg that would plug songs. So like he gets these songs that keep getting submitted by their writers that they have on staff. And when one stands out, oh, this song could be good for so-and-so, they're looking for a song like this Mm -hmm. right now. So Dark actually was getting pitched around and actually piqued some interest a little bit from Big Loud. Lily Rose, if anybody's familiar with that artist, she's a female artist at Big Loud, that song actually got pitched to her team, and they liked it and said that it might have had a chance to make it on the album, but they already had a song that was kind of similar, didn't really want to double up like that, but said, man, get those guys together in the room again to write, like, I, we see potential there right. for a song she would pick up. Well, the songwriter in me was excited, like, yeah, like if if it's shown interest by somebody at this legitimate level, then this song could be picked up by another artist, which is a dream of mine as well. I'd like yeah. to have other artists do some of my stuff. So fast forward a little while, and as the industry goes sometimes, we never hear nothing else about that song. You know, you hear other songs that I've got that that are unreleased or whatever. Oh, so-and-so's interested in this, Mm -hmm. so-and-so's interested in that. And that hasn't, you know, come to pass for me yet. But I think it'll happen one day. But specifically with Dark, just the more I was listening to it and I'm going back and I'm doing the solo thing and I'm trying to pick my songs, I'm like, man, this is one I really liked that I only kind of sat on and didn't do more with because I thought somebody else was going to take it, which Mm would have been life-changing. And when enough time passed, I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just do it? You know, people like it that I've showed it to. You do the friend family test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of my favorite ones you've played for me. Yeah. You know, so now, I mean, I get in the studio with my buddy Jacob Lutz. We produce it, get everything out. We like what we've come up with. We think it's, you know, unique enough that it's it's me. But it also is going to have some familiarities. You know, you hear where you're like, oh man, I, I like this for some reason. So. Now I've been pushing it on all my socials, and it comes out February 23rd. Where can you uh, listen, where can you pick up the song at? So you'll actually be able to get it everywhere. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, YouTube, Pandora. Um, I can't even think of all the different ones that are out there. Their title, yeah. I think, is so one. So if you're listening past February 23rd, this song's out now, and for you to go grab it where you right. want to. Right. Yeah. If, it, if, if you hear this after February 23rd, you can go anywhere and see it. And if you're listening before it comes out, then by all means, you know, check out my social medias and yeah. you can get a teaser and kind of know what's coming. Well, Hunter, let's uh, let's talk about where people can follow you on, on your social. What are your handles and where can they see some of your music? Yeah, so my Twitter that I'm trying to get better at, 
Jordan's been telling me, and I, I, he's right. X, I guess we'll say now. That's at HJ Music. I I gotta pick that up. I I did change my pictures and good, stuff good after deal. we talked that good day. Good deal. But gonna get more active on X. But definitely been hammering out on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, and my handles there. Are I am Hunter Jordan. So you can find me there. You should be able actually on Facebook to just type in add Hunter Jordan yeah. and find me. But it's I am Hunter Jordan on TikTok and Instagram. We'll finish with this. What's to come for Hunter Jordan music? So this year, uh, my manager, Haley, asked me. She was like, you know, I want you to write down goals. And, and I knew the purpose. I've never written down goals. I know the whole thought process and it gives you something you're looking at and things that you can keep in the front of your mind and stuff so I finally did it and I wrote down that I wanted to this year get at least two songs that were recorded by Hunter Jordan the songwriter that were not me singing that was a goal for me and then I had written that I wanted to at least put out five songs with maybe as much as like eight, like if something just really exploded and under yourself, right? Yeah. You know, under under myself. Yeah. And I am pleased to say that I've already got dark coming out February twenty third. I've already started on the next song in the pipeline that's going to be coming out, and I have two songs that have already been told to me by friends that they're going to cut. One's coming out March first by an artist named Will Denat. And it's called Better On You. So there's one of them. And then the other one's an artist named Brenna Bone. I've not been given a release date or anything like that yet, but I'm excited. Uh, as far as Hunter Jordan 2024, the songwriter, I'm going to have some songs coming out that I'll be sharing and showing y'all that I'm proud that I wrote on. And then be looking for me to put out, I don't know, I'd say at least yeah. four or five songs this year. And if something crazy happens, and I get one song that blows up and I've got a little budget to work with, and I might do an album or something. There you so. go. Well, cool, man. Well, Hunter, we appreciate your time today. Yeah, man. thank you all for having me. Hunter Jordan with Hunter Jordan uh, Music right here from West Tennessee, Mercer, Tennessee. So be sure to check out his music, what's to come with him, and much more. Follow him on his socials. Look for that new single, Dark, anywhere you listen to your music. Be sure to uh, check that out. That'll do it for today's episode of the 731 Today podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Taylor. We'll see you next time.